1: Hey, you're listening to the Bite Size Business Breakfast, Tuesday, November the 29th. Tom Richard and myself have been chatting about airports. Announcement of a massive airport to be built in Saudi Arabia. Plus, we've been speaking to one of the senior vice presidents from down the road at Abu Dhabi Airports, Mark Souter, after they, like DXB, have raised their projections for passengers this year. Speaking of projections, we've had a salary survey for it is the season. This one out from Michael Page. Always love this particular... Salary Survey, because it digs into hundreds and hundreds of jobs, which means that for everyone you meet, you can pretty much go away and figure out the band in which they are earning. This, spoiler, may depress you. Uh, John Eid is regional director for Michael Page UAE. We have been talking to him about wages. Plus, the amusement park sector is forecast to do quite well next year, what with revenge tourism and all. Jacob Wael is the incoming president and CEO of the International Association of Amusement Parks and Attractions. He's been chatting to Tom about getting more people on roller coasters.
0: Right.
2: Airports? Yeah, just speaking to the guys from Abu Dhabi Airports. Fascinating conversation with Mark Suter. But one of the things we were asking about, about was, okay, brilliant numbers from them, 250% increase in passenger traffic year on year. I mean, if you run an airport, it doesn't get much better than that. We know it's bounced back from COVID and obviously that's not going to last forever. But the, the more interesting question that I had for him was, what about this new airport in Riyadh? 120 million passengers a year, Brandy, you've been looking into this. That is proper competition, not just for Abu Dhabi, but for Dubai, for Doha, for Istanbul.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking at the uh, the numbers that we're seeing going through at the moment. Abu Dhabi airports, the reason you were speaking to them this morning is because they've just raised their prediction, projection, prediction, projection, some portmanteau of the two, um, for how many people they think are going to pass through not just the main Abu Dhabi airport, but all five of the airports in Abu Dhabi. Um, they're saying 15 million. For 2022. Okay. Um, Dubai International, the week before, raised their projection, their forecast. Uh, They're saying just over 64 million for this year. We had Paul in the studio um, talking to us about how busy they had been in the second half. And then we have the new King Salman International Airport that was announced yesterday for Riyadh. Uh, They are aiming by 2030. I don't know how long it takes to build an airport, so I don't know what their their build estimations will be. But they are saying that they're expecting to see 120 million people through it by 2030. So it's not just having the capacity... To have that many people moving smoothly through an airport, as Tom said there, it will have um, six runways. It's also got very punchy cargo projections, um, and they want it um, to add quite a bit to the Saudi GDP. Um, it's not just being able to handle the people, it's being able to attract them.
2: So I'm looking at what Riyadh did in 2019 pre-pandemic, and it was a busy airport, 26 million people, so you know a decent number of punters, but that's five x to go to 120 million within a, just a few years. I mean, that that is that is transformational. Riyadh's a busy airport. Saudi Arabia is a big country. It's a busy country. Fine, I get it. But if you're going to go from 26 million to 120 million through your airport, it, you need you need to become a hub airport like Dubai. Because we know what is it? What one in one in four, one in five people get off a plane in Dubai? Four, three, three or four out of five yeah. are just going from Delhi to Washington or whatever. Well, you see it yourself,
1: don't you? When you hop off yeah. and you keep walking and everyone else is going, <laughs> Exactly. Going
2: mm. Yeah, you've been on this packed A380 filled to the rafters and then you're standing by the luggage thing carousel and there's like four bags including yours and you're thinking, yeah, okay, maybe maybe you're transiting, But that's that's the model and it's fine and it's a hub airport and we have many of them here in this region. But this is clearly a strategy Um um, you know, um, we know certain people. are... I'm not going to go there. Um, but but <laughs> they, they, they've launched a new airline, and now these bold plans for the airport. Clearly, they, 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 the two is,
1: the two are not unconnected. the two are not
2: unconnected, are they? Uh, you know, they they are going after this east to west hub traffic or north to south hub traffic, yeah. aren't they? In a big big way. Uh, but what what? And and you can't have one without the other. You can't have a successful hub airport without a a, a world-class airline. You know, Hong Kong, Cathay Pacific, Singapore, Singapore Airlines, Dubai, Emirates. You just can't have one without the other.
1: I've been um, reporting on this region long enough to remember when they were building Doha Airport. In fact, I'm just Googling, when did they build Doha Airport? Um, Because there were questions about whether or not the middle east could take another hub airport mm. whether or not it could handle another mega airport would there be enough traffic would it steal traffic from everybody else etc etc um and it has and it didn't as in it's able to handle the traffic it's attracted the traffic Qatar Airways um is uh, is doing the hub and spoke thing as well um Don't think it's drained neighbouring airports, namely ours?
2: No.
1: At all? So, the same questions, the point I'm making, the same questions were being asked when uh, the airport was being built in Doha is being asked now.
2: Thomas?
0: I just, no, I mean, it's the supply and demand model, isn't it? I just, I can't work out, when you talk of the sort of, I I think at the the moment it's well catered for, because you've got options, haven't you? You can go um, Qatar Airways, you can go Emirates, you can go... Um, uh, Etihad uh, through th- three of the hubs there and of course the partner airlines that use those those hubs at present Abu Dhabi is obviously going to grow, that's why they're b- building North Terminal and, and, and we're, we're still waiting for the, the official opening of that so they're seeing increase in demand numbers there part of the play of Doha hosting a World Cup was to get more eyeballs on and to get more people into Qatar Airways and, uh, and using that said so that obviously they've got growth plans there we know there's growth plans here in Dubai are they just are there enough are there enough passengers to fill those spokes at the moment, I just don't know if you. And if we think of the three biggies that are here already, we haven't even mentioned, as you said, Istanbul and maybe a Bahrain and maybe another, uh, the, the, the others that that could have been sort of factored in 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 the, in the region. If you, if, I, I get, that I think there's scope for another airport, but is there is there scope for? Something on the scale of what 185 million passengers by 2050 or whatever it was
1: 120. Um, I think airports the are kind
0: further of further projections 185 and then they want, they want like three, three 3.5 million tons of cargo a day or something like that. It's like, what
2: you
1: could argue that airports are the ultimate in if you build it, they will come because you can't exactly do it the other way around with the planes and all, you can't wait till you get busy and then extend.
0: Yeah, but I just don't know if the if the, if the, if the if there's enough people, okay, in the next 30 years, when there's so much pressure on airlines to be carbon neutral and, 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 and lack of footprint, etc., are there going to be enough people getting on planes to make the business model feasible? Well,
2: Mark, Mark mentioned two words. One, China. Two, India. Hmm. Growing middle class. Huge appetite for travel. A lot of it east to west. This is a good hub.
0: Yeah, can't argue with Mark. Just the highlights. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast.
1: Salary survey time and we're looking at one of the most in-depth this morning, one that breaks down salaries into not just hundreds but thousands of individual jobs. It comes out from Michael Page every year. They've just released it for 2023 and we are joined by the regional director, John Ede. John, good morning. It's lovely to speak to you.
3: Good morning, Brandy. Nice to see you.
1: We do not have time to go into every single job in your salary survey. We're going to look at a couple of industries, but let's kick off by just getting an overview, getting a feel of where we are. What did you see happen to wages in 2022?
3: 2022 has been an incredibly strong job flow, Brandy, across the board. Um, Very pleased to say. Obviously, we have Expo coming into the year and, and providing a lot of momentum into the year and um, that's being bookended with uh, with the, the regional World Cup, uh, which has also attracted even more people into the region. Just just overall, I would say there's a huge amount of confidence um, in the UAE at the moment, um, and and essentially just generally more people wanting to live in in, in UAE and in the region. Um, so businesses are having to compete more for talent, and ultimately this is having an effect on salaries.
1: Could you give us an average for what we saw in 22?
3: An average in terms of salary increases? Yeah. It's very difficult because we're we're working across 17 specialist divisions, so it's very difficult to generalise. But um, I would say most most candidates, most individuals are hoping to see those reflect uh, actually early into next year as opposed to what we've seen so far this year. Obviously, when people are moving jobs so far this year, um, depending on the talent shortage in those markets, they will have seen a significant increase. It is very much supply and demand at the end of the day, so the areas where there is the most demand and probably the least supply would be areas such as legal, certainly in the private practice sector and in-house, but definitely private practice, a lot of lack of talent in the region. Um, Healthcare life sciences as that continues to develop quite rapidly, there is more and more demand in that sector. Strategy change with so much transformation happening in the region, that's that's a, a big demand there. Uh, procurement supply chain as the, the market's been opening up and, and definitely financial services uh, digital data and analytics They they would be probably the the strongest movers this year in terms and probably into next year
1: right in terms of salary increases
3: in terms of demand and therefore um, candidates ability to negotiate improved salaries definitely
1: where I was really interested to to see some of the the areas where we are seeing more demand, such as investor relations professionals, uh, that obviously relates to our IPO boom. Where else can you see some of the the strategy of the of the UAE being turned into job creation?
3: Uh, I mean, look, certainly the the diversification away from oil continues, and, and we're seeing that with uh, very much into leisure and tourism. Would be probably the most obvious example um i think uh, hotels are packed at the moment if you tried to book a hotel recently you'd have, you'd have experienced that um and and it's definitely reflecting there in, in the jobs in the job market as well um, but it's really it, you know I, I hate not to be too specific but it's very much across the board um education hospitality technology uh, we're seeing a, a big uh, a big demand in abu dhabi in the, in the government sector and semi-government sector um obviously the oil price uh, helps with that confidence as well and that that does generally trickle down to the to the private sector in terms of confidence and spending as well
1: are we seeing uh, effects from the global tech layoffs here
3: interestingly enough um i would say the job flow in technology has been a little less in in q3 q4 than we would expect and and we do believe that that is due to um the the global uh, backdrop in that in that sector but um tech is tech and and I'm sure it's going to come back strong uh, next year.
1: Overall, do you see wage increases keeping up with inflation in in 2023? I mean, you've obviously got pay rises, but then you've got real wages, haven't you? Yeah. What do you see happening at this stage?
3: It's a great question and and one that that a lot of um, candidates ask us because obviously they're, they're interested to ensure that they're getting the most they can. Um, a lot of businesses are trying to not make a knee-jerk reaction to inflationary changes and, and they're trying to come up with short-term uh, benefits and incentives to um, keep uh, employees happy in the short term. Um, so, for example, looking at short-term bonuses, long-term incentives as well, um, looking at even things like flexibility and their Just just their overall employee value proposition um, to to ensure that they can keep uh, their employees.
1: Who's holding the cards at the moment? Um, I mean, we've been talking about the Great Resignation uh, for the last year and a bit now, but um, we are also hearing of those mass redundancies, particularly in tech. Is it shifting from employees to employers or not here?
3: Is what shifting? Sorry, Brandy?
1: In terms of who's got the, the strength in negotiation?
3: Again, it's it's supply and demand related, right? So uh, I would say that uh, certainly candidates that are in demand in in certain sectors, they they do have a lot more control and, and influence in terms of what they can uh, demand on a, on a job move and 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 in a in a salary negotiation. But each each individual, I would always advise, needs to look at um, the landscape that that they sit in, the market they sit in, the specialism they work in, and try to understand um what is out there in terms of com- competition for their job ultimately
1: your report suggested that the majority of us want to work remotely or at least have the option to have some kind mm. of hybrid situation are employers offering that
3: it's hugely varied i would say that uh, the the multinational businesses obviously as you would expect uh, are more on the front foot um due to what's going on in 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 that in in areas like europe and america um but i would say that uh, certainly um, there's some work to be done in that space. There, there's a huge shift still in that, in that, in terms of, everyone's been talking about this since COVID, but it does continue to be an area that candidates are placing a lot of importance on. So as, as our survey said, 66% would like either full-time remote or part-time remote. Uh, we as a business are doing uh, two days working from home per week. And that seems to be the most popular balance of, of three days in, two days from home. But obviously, certain sectors like tech do do tend to be a bit more flexible in in that space. Um, Other areas um, like yourself, Brandy, unfortunately, you know, not so easy to work from home, clearly. But um, when allowed, businesses are trying to adapt to that. But it's very much dependent on the management's ability to to, to manage remotely and, and motivate people remotely as well.
1: Well, thanks very much for joining us remotely this morning. Very pleased to be speaking to the regional director um, of Michael Page, John E. They've just come out um, with their very detailed UAE salary guide for 2023. Having a look at what's going to happen in dozens of sectors across the UAE.
0: Catch up on the business headlines with the bite-sized business breakfast. The only space we're watching at the moment is airspace as competition heats up between all the regional airports. (laughs)
2: Punjabi Airport music to get us in the mood this morning. Mark Suter joins us on the line, SVP Aviation Development at Abu Dhabi Airports. Morning, Mark. Good morning. How are you? I'm good, thanks very much indeed. And I suspect you are also because Abu Dhabi Airport says passenger traffic totaled 4.7 million passengers in the third quarter of this year. That is a rise of shop intake of breath 250% compared to the third quarter of last year. What's the story?
4: Yeah, that's absolutely right. You know, we're delighted this morning to be announcing our traffic results for this quarter. And as you just said there, 4.7 million passengers uh, in the three months to September. So that's quarter three. Uh, Three and a half million, almost more than the exact period uh, last year. So, you know, we're really happy about that. Uh, And if you look at the the numbers from January to September uh, this financial year, uh, we're just under 11 million, which is, uh, more than we did for the whole of uh, 2020 and 2021 combined. So, you know, we're really happy. And I think it, you know, literally shows there's been a
2: very strong rebound uh, and a return to travel uh, this year. What percentage of pre pandemic traffic are we back at, say, this week? And now we're into the fourth quarter, aren't we, in November? It's busy time, World Cups happening. What percentage of pre pandemic traffic are we back to?
4: Yeah, no, so I think, uh, you know, we, we are getting very busy, and, and right now we're probably around about the 85% uh, mark of our capacity. That that will probably creep up a little bit uh, as we move into the, uh, I guess, the, the festive season. Um, I mean, to give you an idea, we are expecting sort of between now and sort of Christmas, early in the new year, to carry with our airline partners somewhere in the region of an, an additional 150,000, 200,000 uh, passengers in, in that time. So, You know, normally, uh, particularly over the summer, we were tracking at around about uh, 1.5 million passengers per month. Um, We'll see that creeping up to closer to sort of 1.6, 1.7 million uh, as we move into the festive season. And, of course, particularly because there seems to be a big event uh, going on up the road in Doha right now. Um, You know, we're uh, at the moment have about 14 flights per day uh, traveling to and from uh, Abu Dhabi to Doha. Uh, Usually that that would be about four or five flights a day. So significant uh, additional capacity to the, the World Cup on top of uh, the extremely high numbers that we're seeing already anyway, uh, moving into the end of the year.
2: So clearly you're busy at the moment and and traffic is picking up. We'd expect that. The the industry is, is rebounding and Abu Dhabi is rebounding. Can I ask you about a story that we've been chatting about this morning among ourselves, which is Riyadh looking to build an airport reportedly with a capacity of 120 million passengers per year, which is, you know, that, that's on the mega scale of a uh, beyond mm. DXB, you know, beyond Atlanta even. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, as you look at your kind of 10 to 15 year strategy for Abu Dhabi airports, when you look at these the, these other regional super hubs, obviously Dubai, Doha, Istanbul, you could maybe throw in there. And then if Riyadh builds one as well, how do you approach that from a strategic perspective?
4: I mean, it's, it's a really interesting one for us. And, uh, you know, as, a, as an airport operator and, and like all other airports, we, we do, you know, plan ahead quite a long way. I mean, we're, we're literally looking at our 25-year forecast uh, as we speak. Uh, typically in the, in the airport world, we, we, we do plan quite far ahead. I think one of the interesting things is particularly when you look at the, you know, the Middle Eastern region, um, you know, we are, you know, luckily in an area that is actually expected to grow, um, you know, more than, than other parts of the world, particularly if you compare to sort of Europe uh, and North America. So I think, you know, yes, it, you know the numbers that I think you, you you're referring to, and I and I saw the same article myself. Uh, I think late yesterday, you know, yes, some of the numbers are staggering, but but I think equally, you know, in the long term, when you when you look at where we're expected to go, particularly as a region, Abu Dhabi and the UAE, you know, we will be expecting to see quite strong growth, and I think. Again, strategically, where you know where we are located, you know, you you talk very much about the hub, uh, something that that we here at Abu Dhabi uh, focus on a lot. You know, we are very much in a strategic location between Europe. Uh, Australasia, but but more importantly, uh, India and China. So, you know, you, you've got countries such as India with you know 1.4 billion population, almost sitting on our doorstep. So, you know that that's where we see quite a lot of growth coming through in you know in
2: the in the medium and and long term ahead. A couple of minutes left with you. Can we talk technology story over the past couple of weeks that you're looking to introduce facial recognition at your new midfield terminal building from check in to boarding? You hope it will reduce airport queuing times. Is this science fiction or science fact, Mark? I think we're probably
4: now at the point where we're we're looking at science fact. Uh, it's definitely not science fiction. Uh, I mean, it's interesting when again when you you know you go back to the pandemic and COVID times. I think one of the things that was very clear is that, you know, the the the, the, the we we accelerated quite quickly to moving to what's you know now referred to as sort of touchless airports environment, where you know we're we're moving to biometrics. Um, where people don't physically need to sort of press buttons, uh, literally you'll you'll have a scan taken of your face. So, you know, it's definitely not science fiction because actually, you know, we're running a trial as we speak uh, in our U.S. Uh, Customs and Border Posts, which we have here at the airport. So this is this is the U.S. facility where our passengers can actually you know do all their pre-immigration checks uh, before departing from Abu Dhabi to the United States. Uh, and currently, we're we're running a trial exactly that where you know we're using biometric uh, scanning uh, cameras uh, so that passengers, you know, once they've had their photograph, taken at check in, uh, literally at that point, they don't need to reach for their passport or the, the paperwork anymore. They just literally you know, whisk through immigration and security, uh, you know, leaving the passport and paperwork firmly, uh, you know, in their pockets. So, you know, th- this is a trial we're running now equally with uh, counterparts in the U.S. And, you know, we will be uh, absolutely looking to roll that out uh, as we start, um, you know, opening up a uh, new terminal uh, sometime soon.
2: Mark finally can't let you go without a quick word about the World Cup you mentioned it earlier I'm sure you've seen a bump in in passenger traffic with people going using Abu Dhabi as a hub to get to Doha but what about the the behavior of passengers my colleague Brandy Scott says football fans can sometimes be her phrase was tired and emotional I, I might use the euphemistic phrase boisterous but you know what I'm getting at 30 seconds on on how that's been how you've coped with football fans. To be honest, we've, we've been absolutely fine.
4: I mean, I you know, I was actually in the airport yesterday. Um, I saw a few uh, weary fans sort of roaming around the terminal. Um, I, I won't say who they were, but to be fine that, you know, we're finding that everyone's been absolutely really well behaved. And I think really just uh, enjoying the atmosphere, uh, you know, and the one thing that I've, I've, I've sort of been picking up is that I think actually fans are now quite enjoying the fact that they can enjoy a bit of decent weather, uh, you know, and combine it with a nice holiday as well. So, you know, from what I've seen anecdotally, you know, walking around our terminals, absolutely fine. Everyone looks to be enjoying themselves uh, and long may that continue.
2: Happy day. He's glad to hear it. 250% increase in passenger traffic, not bad numbers for an airport. Mark Souter there, Senior Vice President for Aviation Development at Abu Dhabi Airports.
0: This is the Bite sized Business Breakfast exclusively on Dubaii1038.com. Right, time now for us to talk leisure and theme park spending in the Middle East and Africa, likely to reach 600 $9 million in 2023. That's according to a recent report issued by the International Association of Amusement Parks and Attractions, the Global Industry Association. Uh, Let's try and work out why at the moment, just how key this region is to the industry as a whole. Uh, talking now to the incoming president and CEO of the IAPA, the International Association of Amusement Parks and Attractions, uh, uh, Jakob Voll joins us now live on the line. Jakob, thanks very so much indeed for your time and thanks for joining us live on Microsoft Teams.
5: Good morning to Dubai here from uh, nightly Orlando in Florida.
0: Great to have you from the from the heart of uh, leisure retail yeah. and of course theme parks over there in Orlando. Um I suppose the first question is is why is there such an interest here for investment into uh, all of the aforementioned especially here in the MENA region at the moment?
5: I think what we have seen in the MENA region is that you all try to diversify your revenue. You know, you want to become less dependent of the oil um, income. And we have seen a huge growth in tourism. And the development of Dubai and the other Emirates is obviously a strong sign for that. And following the pandemic, people want to get out again, have fun, you know, do some family or friend stuff again together. And this is where we see a huge growth, actually, in the Middle East, which is probably one of the most booming regions in the leisure market worldwide right now.
0: I mean, we've seen evidence of it. Abu Dhabi's Miral Asset Management recently launching a new identity, a group identity, to streamline the delivery of 13 billion dirhams worth of leisure and cultural projects across the Emirate. Abu Dhabi with some significant investments. What other sort of investments have caught your eye here?
5: Well, you obviously mentioned Abu Dhabi with SeaWorld opening next year on Yas Island. Also, obviously, the museums on Sariat Island. But also we see a strong growth in in Dubai. We see continuous investment in the global village. Dubai Parks and Resorts just announced a brand new Real Madrid theme park next year, which will be the first football theme park in the world. And Atlantis obviously also opened their their recent water park expansion and the new hotel. But besides that, you know, you probably well know that Saudi Arabia is also stepping up the game with huge plans for opening the first Six Flags park in the region, which is supposed to open in 2024 among others with the world's largest, highest and fastest roller coasters. So you see there's much going on in that region. We have
0: seen a demand for travel post-COVID and certainly uh, when people were able to start traveling again. Uh, does the visiting of theme parks, the visiting of resorts go hand in hand with that travel?
5: Definitely. What we saw during the pandemic and unfortunately the whole world experienced that and some countries still experience it, we were stuck at home, you know, and as nice as it was in the beginning, after a certain while, we all wanted to get out again and have fun with each other. And this is definitely where the theme parks and attractions came into place, because people, as I mentioned before, they want to get out again, have fun on the coaster, scream of joy, you know, laugh when they have high speed thrill rides or water slides. And definitely it is one of the main reasons to travel nowadays, to really experience those things which you can't experience at home. And we have seen a strong growth following COVID because that was was exactly what we were missing beforehand.
0: How much is this part of a sort of diversification away from energy and, and, and a reliance on oil here?
5: We see that big time. I mean, this is why obviously Dubai is such a popular tourist destination. We saw it with the expo, we saw it with Dubai parks and resorts, we saw it with all kinds of attractions, because it brings in the tourists. The tourists want to have fun, they want to experience those things. Ferrari world as well in Abu Dhabi. And I think that is actually something which now we see also in Saudi Arabia, because tourism is the future. And you and the Emirates in the Middle East provide safe tourism for the whole family. And this is, I think, why there is a huge market for attractions. And then also we saw that in Ras al-Khaimah, you know, certain certain operators are also looking to really kind of diversify further their offerings.
0: So obviously we're seeing... Uh, An injection of cash at the moment, an injection of investment, uh, certainly plenty of investment in this sphere. Um, Does that mean that attendance levels will rise? What are the projections that you are
5: seeing? We actually see huge huge growth in the market and when we, when we look into the, the next years, we probably see a projected 27% um, compound annual rate over the next five years, which is the largest in all of the regions worldwide, what we currently foresee for the next five years. And that speaks for itself, I think that the Middle East is one of those growing markets um, where, where many attractions are being built and further developed.
0: Obviously, there are no shortage of visions here. Uh, Obviously, Saudi Arabia's Vision 2030. We've got Vision 2031, Vision 2040 here in the UAE as well. Uh, At the core of a lot of these vision projects,
5: do you see an increase in entertainment spend? yes we also see that actually people spend more in the parks because they have so much fun they want to enjoy the the great food offerings you know we see food festivals coming we see great merchandise offering and this is where people are actually not only visiting more and more people are coming but they also tend to spend more and that is definitely something which we which we have seen over the last two years and following the pandemic and which we actually expect to really further grow that people are willing to spend to have fun And also create those unique experiences where you have something which you can't actually have every day in in your regular life. It's this fear of missing out. You do not want to miss something and you really are willing to spend something extra for that special experience. You know, one example is at Ferrari World where you can climb the roof. Um, other, you know, special cabanas, I think Laguna Water Park in Dubai is also hosting, you know, events where you can sleep over in the in the park. And those are the special experience where we see that people are willing to spend more.
0: It's good news, Jakob. can't thank you enough. Thanks so much indeed for joining us live on the line all the way from Orlando as well. Uh, Jakob Wall, the, the incoming president and CEO of the IAAPA, the International Association of Amusement Parks and Attractions. Uh, certainly giving a very uh, positive outlook on the investment into, uh, as we said, leisure, amusement and theme parks here in the UAE, but uh, even further afield across the whole of the Middle East and Africa in the years to come. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.